Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Baker freaking Mayfield. He's the number one difference maker in the NFL. He's playing with Michael Lynn Evans III, an area code receiver that catches anything in area code. Levante David, he got instincts. He's basically the true vet here. He follows a You better hold it down. These boys can't mess with us. Baker Mayfield looking Baker goes for it. Got the clock. Touchdown, Tableman. John White is the back. He'll go airborne and in for the touchdown. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a live episode of the Cannon Fire podcast here on YouTube following the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one victory over the Minnesota Vikings. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on the road and they pull off the upset that not many of us saw coming in a pretty big win to start the season 20 to 17 your final score once again and uh, so many highlights to talk about on both sides of the ball I am not only excited to be back alongside my co-host Evan Wanish talking to you guys once again but uh, I'm just excited to talk about this game man there is so much to break down following this one and um, what a what an exciting way to pull a win out just like this this one really felt like it came down to the wire at some points no, it did definitely did, um, and, and a really really gutsy win for for the Bucks and um, gutsy performances, which we'll get into over the course uh, of, of the show. Here, we'll get into you know every, everything we need to get into. Um, but yeah, really you know, a hard fought. Which like, look, I think while we all predicted it was going to be close, like we knew it wasn't going to be a, a blowout one way or another. Um, we knew that if the Bucks were going to win, it wasn't going to be easy. And we also didn't think the Bucks were going to give the, the Vikings a very easy game. So um, it is nice to come up with the win, though. And it's important because, like we talked about, these first four games can be kind of challenging. Like, you know, obviously Chicago next week, they're playing right now. We don't know what type of team they're going to be. And then you got Philly and then New Orleans. So uh, you have these first four games Try if you can build some momentum. I mean, if you're two and two at the bye week, you're in a pretty decent spot. So um, to be able to to win this game was was pretty big, and uh, we were pretty close. Uh, obviously, we both picked the Vikings to win, but we were pretty close on our final scores uh, being what they were. Had the Vikings, you know, fortunately they didn't, but had the Vikings scored a touchdown, I would have been dead on, uh, you know, with with my final score. But uh, had a, we had, a, I think we had a pretty good pulse for for what this game was going to be, and, and the Buccaneers just happened to come out on top due to some pretty big plays that down the stretch there by both the offense and the defense and special teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget it's our first post-game reaction show of the season, but it's also our first call-in post-game reaction show uh, of the season. The phones are on 305-224-1968 is the number to call and the meeting ID for this week is on your screen 873-673-19197. I don't think that's correct. 
Okay. <laughs> well, find out. Actually, call, call the number and see what happens. Yeah, call the number and see what happens, uh, I suppose. <laughs> um, but let me see here. Let me just make sure that that is the right meeting ID. No, it is not. I have got the correct one coming up for you guys uh, right now. As they said on the broadcast, you know, it is week one for everyone. So I suppose this is kind of for us uh, to get our bearings back in, in navigating this live show. Because not only are we doing a live show, which sometimes can be not stressful, but just an added element of uh, don't mess up. And, you know, we're doing a live show, but we are also taking people's calls. It's the first time we've done this in a while. We took a couple calls over the offseason, but we have a new and improved phone system compared to where we were a couple of years ago, so it shouldn't be as intrusive. But the updated meeting ID, apologies for the miscommunication, uh, 834-3704. Four three zero zero, and that's going to be unique week to week. So uh, if you're listening to this a couple days from now, it's not going to be the same meeting ID. All right, there's the rules of the phone. That's hopefully the last time we cover it this season. Let's get into this game, man. Twenty to seventeen win for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know that normally on the show uh, we start things off with our with our you know our top players of the week. Basically, we go over some of the playmakers, but. I just want to talk about the defense for a minute because we can talk about Baker Mayfield's debut. We can talk about this Dave Canales offense. We can talk about where that is and where we thought it was going to be week one. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was adamant coming into this season that like this defense is going to be in a much better spot than a lot of people anticipate them being. And I think most people with common sense who have watched the Bucs for a couple of seasons could also see that coming. I mean, this is a defensive unit that has been together. At least most of the core has been together under Todd Bowles since 2019. So it's like, they're a much more well-oiled unit. You know, you got a lot of guys playing for a payday as well. Devin white was playing his ass off. He was all over the place early and often. Um, But four turnovers. Like if you would have told me that the bucks were going to cause four turnovers week one against the Vikings. I mean, clearly I would have thought they would want a little bit, uh, they would have won by a bigger margin than they did. But on the other side of that, I definitely didn't see four turnovers coming into this game. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. with the big strip sack hit on Kirk Cousins. He had one hell of a day. I mean, if we're yeah. giving out game balls, I think it's Antoine Winfield Jr., Christian Isian, and Devin White. Devin White was a tackling machine. And of course, Christian Isian made the huge play from the nickelback corner spot to get that interception in the game as well. Um, there was just, there was just, it, it felt like, you know, this defense was, I, I don't want to say at their best clearly cause it's week one. Like I don't want to overreact. I know I'm getting excited and we haven't heard excited Rhett in a little while. We've got actual football to talk about, but I, I think this defense one being in a much better spot than we thought they were. There's some things that they need to clean up, but I thought for the offense they were going up against and how much of a headache we really thought Justin Jefferson was going to give this offense. We knew he was going to get damn near 100 yards. It was everyone else around him who just didn't have as productive of a day. I, I really thought this is the best possible scenario for this defense headed out of week one. Like I, I, Other than the couple of drives that got away from them, I don't have very many complaints. <laughs> like, is that, um, is am I getting too far ahead of myself here? I know it is week one. People tend to overreact, but... I'm just excited to see how good they played. Well, when you say you didn't see them getting four turnovers, it's because you actually didn't, because they they had three turnovers. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. you. On the on the first half, though, all three turnovers were in the first half. Uh, Back to back drives with a fumble. First one was 
the Vikings' fault. Obviously, the the missed snap exchange, but the Buccaneers were there. You know, fortunate enough to fall on it. But then the second one, yeah, Anton Winfield just blew up Kirk Cousins. A great blitz. Cousins didn't read it at all. Really nice play there for Winfield. A homecoming for Winfield, just like we mentioned uh, the other day. And in, in my uh, prediction. Um, like Bucks Nation, we do like each staff member does like one prediction for the week. And um I said that Anton Winfield was gonna get a pick. I should have said a takeaway. Mm. I shouldn't have said a pick, but um uh, I should have said a takeaway because then I would have been dead on. But um yeah, I mean yeah. can nitpick a little bit. I mean, Vikings had I believe three hundred and sixty nine yards of total offense. It's a lot. Yeah. Justin Jefferson did get his like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he, he had, got over a hundred of those. So yeah, yeah, he he had uh, nine catches for 150 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. Uh, Jordan Addison had four catches for 61 yards. 39 of them were on that one touchdown. Mm-hmm. So and and TJ Hawkinson eight catches for 35 yards. Like it didn't really kill him. The pass rush uh, was there for the most part. I would say uh, I, I think there were at times it. it Lacked a little bit of juice, but in the you know ebbs and flows of an NFL game, you're not going to have a consistent pass rush for the entire time. So uh, I think they stepped up when they needed to, and um, you know honestly, like the defense should have only caused three points in, in the second half because I, I don't think that call on Christian Isian down there on the third and goal, I don't think that was the correct call. I think yeah. the Vikings should have yeah. been kicking a field goal there. Yeah, there were a couple of calls in this game that for both teams it felt like they could have gone either way. I didn't think they were going to give the Bucks the spot. Um, on that one fourth down conversion, the the Baker QB sneak late in the game. We'll we'll talk yeah. about that later as well. Uh, but as far as the pass rush goes, only two sacks on the day for Tampa Bay. Antoine Winfield Jr. with the strip sack, as we had just mentioned, and uh, Anthony Nelson with a big time sack as well. I will say, a lot of the pressure that the Bucks were bringing onto Kirk Cousins was was off of the blitz. I, I mean, we we talked about coming into this week getting that pressure home with just four players up front. And it seems like more times than not, when the Bucks were getting to Kirk Cousins, it was because they had someone coming off of the blind side, or it was because they had brought that extra safety down or just brought up extra bodies to the line of scrimmage. I mean, there was a point in this game where after their center went down and the Vikings were playing with a backup center, you just started seeing Todd Bowles throw linebackers at the at the interior offensive line for Minnesota a couple drives in a row. I'm not sure what the method was to his madness there, but... While the pass rush seems like it left a little bit to be desired, I think everything else, including the turnovers uh, against a team that was as good as they were last season and a team that has a quarterback that knows he can play not like that. I I mean, Kirk Cousins knows how to take care of the football. Um, He's got a couple of primetime Kirk games like we saw today, but that was was a capable offense. That was a team that not a lot of people saw the Bucs beating and there were a couple of uh, Minnesota Viking talking heads I heard this week saying that you know this game very well could be out of hand by the third quarter and a lot of them saw it going that way like the Bucks not only surprised a lot of national media people today but I think they surprised a, a lot of people in their own fan base yeah and I, like, I don't even think Kirk was like particularly bad today like I don't think he was terrible but um, the Vikings only had what I believe three drives in the second half obviously it does kind of help slash hurt them when one of the drives was so long it was like an eight minute drive or whatever so um but 
he just didn't make plays down the stretch, and the Buccaneers did. That that was the difference, you know. Uh, the Vikings offense, when it pushed, came to shove. The Vikings offense did not make the plays that they needed to down the stretch, and the Buccaneers offense did. So, you know, we talk about the quarterback sneak, and then the Baker Mayfield run, and the Chris Godwin catch. Like, the all three plays right there. Like, huge, massive plays. And the Vikings offense just, despite how good they were early, right? And they were really good early, and it was, I mean, it was you know, seven three, and the Buccaneers' defense held down there, and that's an, as a critical point in this game. I think to hold them to three, keep it ten to three there, and not fourteen to three. Because if it's fourteen to three, I think it could get out of hand. Uh, the Bucks' offense was really struggling. We'll get into the Bucks' offense then, but uh, things were not going well on that side of the ball. I think if it's fourteen to three, you're down two scores. You start to get a little bit down on yourself. So really big by the defense to not allow that. Um, and the only complaint I have is just, I, I think a little bit too many chunk plays, you know, like there's the Vikings got their yards through chunks. Yeah, and, it and, wasn't, and, it wasn't the, the, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. It was Justin, when plays. Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison were open, like they were wide ass open. Like they, they weren't just open. They were, you know, nobody within five to 10 yards of them kind of open. So those big chunk plays that you talked about could obviously be an area of concern moving on, but this is a big chunk play offense that Minnesota has. And, Talking about Justin Jefferson, I know he had 150 yards today, but in the second half, you know, when Minnesota needed him to step up and make a play, he just wasn't there. Like, in, in their last opportunity, on the drive that meant the most for them to potentially win that game, they went three and out. Mm-hmm. And that's just what the Bucks defense was able to do. You brought up the red zone stops earlier as well. Just another tip of the cap to those guys uh, going out there and playing one hell of a football game today. What did you make of Christian Isian? I, I thought I thought he was good. Uh, he made the one open field tackle on on the third down there, um, and then obviously the interception, which was a great play. I mean, literally just ripped the ball out of the receiver's hands, saved probably at least three points. Could have saved seven points there. Who knows what happens if Izzy doesn't come up with that ball? Um, even if that falls incomplete, who knows? That could they could score a touchdown on the next play. So he saved points there um, right in before the second half, and uh, on the the Madison touchdown, he should made the tackle it is a tough open field tackle but i do think it's something that he should have made not gonna nitpick it too much for an undrafted free agent's first nfl game in the regular season was pretty darn good i thought we got our first caller of the season from the three two three how you doing my friend good good how's it going uh buccaneers won 2017 great to hear yeah man yeah what'd you think of the game uh, yeah, um, you know, I think the Vikings defense blew it. Um, be personally, I think the Bucks won because the Vikings defense just didn't really put up a fight in the second half. And I think the Bucks edged them out like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I can That's see. What you, I mean, I can definitely see what you mean. You know, we were just talking about the lack of offense in the second half. There, did you have any thoughts on on what they were able to do, or I guess what they weren't able to do in the second half? Because I agree that they kind yeah, of gave up yeah, the fight, I mean, but the Bucks certainly yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, it. so it's, it's that it's that critical, like that critical key moment where they could have sealed it. They just like kind of like like they would play stronger in the moment they needed to get that hold on the Bucks to get them the fourth down. They just kind of they just kind of didn't really do it in the times they needed. Well, also and- Jake Camardi's punting really did save us. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, um, mean, I believe on the I believe on James's channel, I posted a uh, Jake 
Jake, Jake punt demigod Camarda because <laughs> that guy has a leg of no tomorrow. I mean, yeah. Shout out to this. I think uh, he, I think he saved us a lot there too. Shout out to the Bucks special teams unit. Jake Camarda obviously had a busy day in the first half, but um, Chase McLaughlin and his debut as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, three good field goals, one of them from 57 yards. Uh, so that range last year was something they were missing. And obviously they have it now, hopefully with McLaughlin moving forward. But one more thing before I let you go, I wanted to talk about the miscues for Minnesota in the second half. And I will agree. One of the most critical points of the game was that penalty against Minnesota when the Bucks were set to settle for the field goal. McLaughlin goes, kick is good, and they get a late flag for offsides, give the Bucks a first down in the red zone, and they punch it in for a touchdown. I mean, that very well could be the one difference maker in this game if we're talking about execution errors, but there were more than a few scenarios in that second half where I was I was kind of watching Minnesota give up these penalties and I'm like man you know where, where have I seen this before because I've seen my fair share of back-breaking penalties from this Buccaneers defense back in the day but they definitely did seem much less composed in that second half oh yeah no 100% and as a Bucs fan I was kind of cringing like oh they just pulled they just pulled the Donovan Smith classic <laughs> playing really well until a key moment yeah, I, I thought so for sure. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you get an offsides and now you're back. Yeah. Like in, yeah. Hey, glad they got the call to go their way. But we appreciate you calling in, buddy. Go Bucks. All right. Good luck, man. You too. All right. First call from the 323. We're going to go right into our second one from the 716. Talking about the Tampa Bay's 20 to 17 victory over. The Minnesota Vikings week one on the road. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling in from? Hi, uh, my name's Trey. I'm calling from Climber, New York. Trey from New York. What's up, man? How much? How are you guys doing? Doing good. good. Thanks for calling in. No problem. Yeah, that was a good defensive win. Um, Not many fantasy points. <laughs> I'd rather have the win. I'd rather have the win. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I went uh, I went like 0-10 on all of my picks this week. Like, because, you know, we just do picks for fun at work, so we have a big pool, and, and I'm pretty sure I lost every single one of them except for maybe the Saints. Um, but every team I picked to win this week lost. So I did pick the Vikings. I know I got to bite that one, but I'd rather... I, I'd rather pick against the Bucks every week if I know they're going to win, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that that first that first week win is huge because now we go and we, we we take you know Chicago to Tampa. Yeah, and I mean, you guys said it earlier. I don't, I don't know, I don't know who what kind of team they are, but right. Um, hey, yeah, so, I mean, I know I know that we could beat them easily if we can beat the Vikings. So let me ask you this: um, You talked about a good defensive win today, and I, I agree. Obviously, we spent the first half of the show today talking about how good that they were. But did you have a defensive MVP? Was there one player that you saw show up more than the others? Oh. Um I can't I can't say it was a good collective win, but that one interception by the undrafted rookie was insane. Yeah. I think I think if anyone gets a game ball, it probably is going to be Christian Izian today, just because he's the guy that had to earn a spot on the roster, you know, it went through the trials and tribulations of training camp and a whole preseason program earned that job. And uh, it seems like it's going to be his until he lets it go. But one hell of an NFL debut for him. Trey from New York. Thanks for calling in, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Go Bucks. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 
All right. All right. So should we get into the other side of the football now? Um, yeah, let's do it. I, I think we have. Uh, I think, I we think have... it's a, a tale of two halves, I think. And we're really <laughs> a tale of, of a half and a drive before the half. Because that's, you know, I think that drive before the second half there is pretty critical. Yeah, we, we talked coming into this game as far as offensive expectations. And I even said that the defense is going to be in a much better spot than this offense is. But we kind of had a hard time dictating what kind of starting spot that would be for this offense because as far as Dave Canales as a play caller and some of the new players or the young players in this offense, it it felt incredibly uncertain. And uh, after a quarter and a half, it still felt incredibly uncertain. The Bucks started the game 0 for 6 on third down conversions and I believe only around 40 yards of total offense over the first quarter and a half. So it took them until that two-minute drive at the end of the first half for them to kind of wake up and find a rhythm. But once they did, Baker Mayfield in his Buccaneers debut, 21 for 34 passing, 173 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers at all on the offensive side of the ball for the Bucs today, which, again, was also huge in determining where this offense is going to be. But based off of how Baker played, based off of the run game, based off of the receivers who stepped up and some of the concepts we saw today, what is your evaluation of where the Dave Canales Bucks offense is after a week one win? Yeah, you know, it's at, at first you saw some things. You didn't see as much play action. You didn't see as many rollouts. The rollouts, like anytime they did a rollout, the Vikings like pretty much like it seemed like I don't know if the Buccaneers were given a tell or if the Vikings like edge guys were just so good at covering it because it never seemed to really work. It seemed like every all, time it was a rollout, they uh, were all guy writing right in Mayfield's face. But um, yeah, I mean, look, the offense did enough. And, and will it be enough to beat uh, a Philadelphia or a New Orleans or even like a, like a Detroit? Maybe not. But like on, on today, when your defense forces three turnovers, and you mentioned the key there, Baker Mayfield, no turnovers, but the Bucks offense themselves, no turnovers. If you can do that, play clean football, and then also get your defense to give you turnovers. Now the Buccaneers need to do a bit of a better job of like they, they got that that fumble, right? The Antoine Field fumble, they only got it for three, right? That needs to be seven. Baker Mayfield missed Coquife. Coquife was pretty much wide open, has to hit him there. The the, the Kate um, Auten fumble, uh, they ended up challenging it and overturning it. They they ruled it a complete pass. Bucks were getting ready to set, and then Kevin O'Connell throws the challenge flag. That was critical just because it's just a mistake. You know, if you're an NFL tight end like Kate Otten in that situation, you got to hang on and catch that pass because it yeah, yeah, completely you, you killed that, that drive. Ball. Right, right. Yeah, you, you got to catch that ball. And, um, you know, the Buccaneers at first on third down, they were terrible. I mean, they were just <laughs> terrible on third down. Didn't seem to have any idea what was going on. Uh, Mayfield, like I said, missed some throws. Protection was okay. I mean, but it did break down a little bit. I thought Mayfield also held the ball a little bit longer than he should have on occasion. So, um, I, I did, but again, let's talk about it. The drive right before the second half. I, I mean, it, it is critical. I, the Buccaneers were down 10-3 at the time, and then they finally, what do they do? They get the ball into Chris Godwin and Mike Evans' hands. Mike Evans, to that point, had not had a, before that drive, he had not had a catch. He had a target, which I thought he could have came up with the ball when his one target, that deep ball. I thought he did at first. Uh, it was a close play, but like I, I thought he could have caught it. Uh, it, was, it was, like I said, a weird play, but made up for it with the touchdown. But he got his first catch. Then they threw the ball to Godwin for a gain, and then they threw a touchdown to Mike Evans. 
And, and to me, that was the turning point. You're headed light, right. In, and then not only that, the Vikings drive, they're driving, you get the interception. I think that was just huge, huge for the Buccaneers' confidence, um, the, the confidence of the entire team. What do they do? They come right out the third quarter, the first drive of the third quarter, get the ball and march uh, 75 yards, 16 plays, nine minutes of game time. And yes, they were aided by the, like you said, the Vikings miscue of Bucks were lining up for the field goal, Vikings offside, but they took advantage of it. And then they scored a touchdown. And to me, the whole game changed in that final two minutes of the, of the first half. To me, the final two minutes of the second quarter was just such a critical moment for this game. And that's where the Buccaneers, I think, actually won this game. I think the complacency of where this team is when they're losing a game is something that I was curious to see because with Tom Brady at the helm, I mean, in 2022, I think this ideal maybe fell apart a little bit as we saw based off of the record. But, you know, the 2020 and the 2021 Bucks teams, they felt like they could beat anyone that they lined up against, even if they were down 27 points at halftime. They felt like they could win that game and beat you. And again, this game never got too out of hand. Like the Vikings never had a two possession lead, but had they gone up 14 to three? I think it's, I think it's a completely different game. It's, it's curious to see, uh, the, the execution. It's curious to see the tone. It's curious to see, uh, if they run, hurry up offense, like what does their demeanor look like out there on the field? And I, I bring that up because there were a couple of games last year where clearly those guys were just defeated, right? They got down on themselves. They didn't feel like they could win, and they didn't. Today, the Bucks felt like they could win. They followed through, but they were never in that big of a deficit. Let me ask you this. Uh, this is probably just a classic example of me overthinking something, uh, but Mike Evans hauled in the first Buccaneers touchdown of the season, and he ignored everybody and walked immediately to the sideline. Didn't even <laughs> celebrate. Uh I mean, like, is he literally just straight business mode or, or I, I mean, like he didn't even crack a smile. Am I insane? I don't know. He, he was, he was pretty hype on the Palmer touchdown. So he, okay. he was, he, he went over, he was the first guy over there. I mean, I was expecting, Palmer, so. I was expecting a little, you know, one, two punch uppercut his little signature move or whatever, but nothing. I mean, Trey Palmer was right there trying to celebrate. Hey, I mean, if Mike you're going to catch touchdowns, I don't, I don't, I don't care line. what your celebration is. You're going to catch touchdowns. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Obviously, Mike <laughs> Evans is a guy who's going to be looking. You, to catch. you could you could be in Tampa. Just your celebration is you just flip off the entire crowd. I don't care. <laughs> as long as I mean, you if, catch if, if you're going to score, who cares? Yeah. All right. I guess you're right. So let's talk about the wide receivers in the day that they had today. Your leading receiver for Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm curious to see who this is. Uh, let me. Can I guess? Yeah. Uh, it's not is, who you think. Is it is it Chris Godwin? No, it is not. It's Mike Evans. Mm. Six catches. I, I think, did, did Chris Godwin have more catches or the same? Like he had one less catch than Mike Evans. One less catch. Okay. Yeah, hmm. Mike Evans led the team in catches and receiving yards. Six catches, sixty-six yards, and the touchdown, twenty-eight yards out from Baker Mayfield. Chris Godwin had five catches for fifty-one yards and no touchdown. But of course, that crazy yeah, this, the, the game catch. Yeah. yeah to win the game can't forget about that play it's a good ball by mayfield too. yeah like yeah. it's it's not perfect but it, it is a good ball with, with good zip on it and uh yeah just needed that you know absolutely needed that because i do think they probably i would have punted in that situation had they not gotten it i would have punted um but had the you know you, you don't want to give the ball back to minnesota at that point yeah. so pretty critical and that's something like when we talked about like with, the, with them having brady or whatever 
you know, the the Bucks had the ball back and they ran out the final 352 of the game. Mm-hmm. Ran it out. The Vikings did not get the football back. So they didn't go for it on fourth and eight, and they didn't get the ball back. So it's just really, really critical plays by Mayfield down the stretch. And you know, only two hundred and forty-two total yards of offense, which again, when you compare that to the three sixty-nine of Minnesota, it seems like the Bucks probably would have lost this game by a decent margin. Only 169 passing yards. 73 rushing yards. We'll talk about the run game here in a minute, but I wanted to point out the offensive line. We talked about the inexperience, maybe playing a factor early on in the game. It's going to take these guys a couple of weeks to start playing their best football. Uh, The inexperience is just going to show up. It just is. We saw it on that delay of game penalty that Todd Bowles had to burn the timeout. Like, that's just inexperience. Um, Stuff like that is going to take a couple of weeks, but as far as protecting Baker Mayfield as a passer... I don't know if this says more about the offensive line, if it says more about Baker Mayfield, or if it says more about the play calling and the designs, because it was a lot of quick passes for Baker, a lot of two-step drops, if even that, to get the football out of his hand. Um, but only a sack today given up by the Bucs. Uh, Daniil Hunter got it pretty early on in that game, and I thought at that point he was going to have a field day with Luke Gedeke at the right tackle position. But you know, between a quick release and just some solid pass protection when he needed it, I thought this offensive line did okay. Yeah, no, I I thought they they did okay for the circumstances. I mean, you know, I think the offensive line is going to be a work in progress. I think until you get to week seven, week eight, maybe like, you know, even the veterans on this group, the Tristan Wirth, the the Matt Filers, Taylor Getty, he's a second year player. Robert Haynes, he's a, I believe a third year player. Even those guys, like they just, they they haven't played together as a group. Like they haven't physically, they've played football, but they haven't played together as one unit. So I do think that uh, there is going to be some ups and downs. I think you're going to see sometimes uh, in some of these earlier games where the offensive line does struggle. Like yeah. I, I do think the Bucks offensive line will struggle at times, but I think you you got to go through those growing pains and just hope they can work themselves out. Yeah, and I got to say, the pressure was put on them late in the game. The Bucks were in a situation where they were playing with the lead. They can try and run this thing out. And, and I do wish, you know, the run game would have come alive a little bit more. 17 carries, only 40 yards for Rashad White today, averaging 2.4 yards a tote. Uh, no running back found the end zone. Sean Tucker had five carries for 15. And uh, Baker Mayfield actually eight carries for 10 yards, uh, including that one first down scramble that he had was it on fourth down or third down when baker took it himself and lowered the shoulder it, it was, was on third. fourth was it i don't i don't think they, they didn't go for it on uh they didn't go for it on fourth down twice on that drive or, okay you're right uh, i don't i don't think it was fourth. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna check it but uh i, I will say you know it the offensive line did what they needed to in the second half of that game and i do it think was it, it was third and three okay i do think they stepped up just enough for the Buccaneers to win that game, obviously. But I, I wish the run game would have been, you know, a little more, uh, I don't want to say effective because they had over 70 yards rushing, which is obviously something they don't get too often. But there were times where it felt like the run game could have done more. And there were a yeah. couple of drives where it was, uh, there was one that I can recall. It was three straight handoffs to Rashad White and a couple of others were run, run, pass. And that got predictable quickly. Yeah, I um, I actually thought, like I, I like Rashad White, but I, I thought Sean Tucker looked like the better running back today, just personally. 
Uh, I thought he had more juice. Rashad White looked really hesitant. Uh, there was a yeah. couple holes. I, I yeah. thought he just like, dude, just hit the hole, you know, just, just go like, you know, and instead he sort of and then, you know, he could miss out on a yard or two that way. So uh, I, I did think there was a little bit of hesitation. Surprised that neither guy was as involved uh, in the passing game. Shaw White, only two catches for 10 yards. Sean Tucker, two catches for nine yards. So I was a little bit surprised. I thought they'd get their running backs involved a little bit more uh, in the passing game. But they did enough. Uh, that That's probably what I, I would say. Again, just like I said, the offense as a whole, will it be good enough to beat some of these other teams they have on the schedule? Probably not. Like, I think they're going to have to be better. I do think the offensive line playing together and being better and gelling will help. But uh, I do think that they did enough. However, just, yeah, not. And also, like, the run game was a disaster last year. Like, this, it's still going to be a work in progress. So, slow baby steps, right? So, uh, baby steps with this. You know, you got to crawl before you can walk. So I do think they're on the right track. I saw some good things, but yeah, it was a little bit disappointing because it was it was pretty slow to really the entire game until, you know, a couple of nice – I mean, I think their, their longest run uh, – yeah, Rashad, the longest run they had was Rashad White for six yards. Like it's just, you know, I, I, yeah, I, not not quite good enough. Yeah, definitely feels like there were a couple of uh, moments where it was lacking the the push that it needed. But, I mean, plus 70 yards is is nothing to sneeze at for sure. And it's important to remember that this is week one football we're talking about. This is all stuff to build on. You know, you're setting a baseline for what your team is going to look like for the rest of the season. And if this is a baseline for a Bucks win, uh, 260 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and a decent day running the football on top of a defense that can kick anybody's ass, like it's going to be a team that wins some games this year. So uh, a lot of stuff to build on for Tampa Bay being laid in the foundation of week one, but obviously feel pretty good about what we've seen. And for the Bucs, I believe this is their third straight week one win. Uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Third straight time starting off 1-0. So they, they started off 2-0 last year. Um and they did they start yeah they started off 2-0 in 2021 as well so started off 2-0 the first straight two years so let's see if they can do uh 2-0 again but yeah so we we, um, we talk about building from week one uh there is a lot of a lot of time left in this season to see not only what the bucks can do better than they did today uh but what they can potentially do worse because as we know with any football season there's going to be ebbs and flows uh something else i wanted to talk about Really quickly, sorry to interrupt you there, but I, I wanted to talk about the lack of penalties for Tampa Bay. You know, there mm-hmm. was a Robert Hainsey holding call. Um, there was the Christian Isian end zone call, which was obviously huge and, and I think kind of a BS call, but we'll put that aside. You know, altogether, after that first preseason game against Pittsburgh, I kind of thought discipline for this team was going to be an issue. And today it was not. And for week one, that's exactly what you want to see. Yeah, uh, only three penalties day for the Bucks. So six for the Vikings, three for the Bucks, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty critical. And obviously, the Vikings penalties were more critical. Like the Vikings penalties literally gave the Bucks four more points because it took a field goal off the board and put a touchdown up there. So pretty clear, you know, those four points are pretty important when you win the game by three. So um, yeah, I just thought yeah, the Bucks played a, a, a pretty clean game. And honestly, yeah, that's what we talked about. I think they should have had two penalties, like. I, that Christian Isian one, 
Uh, was, I don't understand that was, it. That was it, as tic tac as it gets. I mean, yeah, people in the live stream chat know. over on James' channel, we're calling for. Uh, and then, and well, then on, on the following drive, Mike Evans doesn't get the call uh, down right. there near the sideline. I, I don't understand how you don't call that one, but you call the one there. Gave the Vikings a, a touchdown. But, I mean, you could say uh, the refs, you know, also it was a proper call, but the a, a penalty also gave the Bucks a touchdown. So maybe it can even out that way. But, uh, yeah, no, very, very good discipline by the Bucks. Um, not many, you know, really no dumb penalties. I wouldn't say there's, there's nothing where you're like, oh, that's, that's just, that's a stupid mistake. That is just, you know, you can't have that happen. Like, like the Vikings did on the field goal. Like there, there wasn't anything like that today. And I think that's pretty important, especially like you said, after that Pittsburgh game, I know it's only preseason, but you're sitting there thinking like, Man, like, this they is, just gave up 150 yards in penalties. Yeah, like, like, this is too much. That's impressively bad. Like you got to be bad uh, right. to make that happen. But you know, talking a little bit about the Bucks and their discipline today, some of the inexperienced stuff snuck in. As we had mentioned before, you know, there was that delay a game that they were luckily able to burn a timeout on. But it looks like they got the playoff, like they got the snap off, but it was a low snap anyway. So it would have been an absolutely disastrous play. Baker sitting there for three seconds trying to pick the ball up from between his feet. The pass rush is coming in quick. He probably wouldn't have had time to find someone and get that ball out of there. Stuff like that, you know, growing pains you're going to see over the next few weeks. I, I think we'll have one or two moments next week in the game, kind of like that. Um, but realistically, well, well, so speaking of speaking of low snaps, that happened on more than one game. That, that was I, happening I thought, a lot with, with Robert Hansy. I don't know what his deal was. Yeah, I kind of thought he would he would have it down pat a little bit more, considering he started the entire season last year. Um, but yeah, if there's one thing they're going to be working on this year, it is certainly going to be. Uh, or this week, excuse me, certainly going to be snapping the ball. I think they're going to take some extra reps outside of practice to get that snap just right. Yeah, I, I don't like I said, it seemed like every single snap, like Mayfield, you know, credit to him, like he corralled every single one. But like, yeah, every single snap just felt so low. I was like, I don't know what's going on. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I thought the offensive line looked good. Gedeke had the penalty called on him a little bit early in the game. Uh, but I, I thought that they settled in. And when you don't hear an offensive lineman's name, that's how you know they played a good game. If, you, if you're not hearing their name at all, for an offensive lineman, unfortunately, uh, that's probably the only position in football where you don't really want to hear their name. That and maybe like the, the punter, I guess, because if the punter really screws up, you'll hear his name. But Jake Kamara, luckily, uh, was pretty good for the Buccaneers today. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I just thought everybody just did their job. Will it be good enough to win? 10 more games probably not it's gonna have to be better but for today it was good enough and that's all that matters so let's talk about the special teams unit and then maybe we have some room for a take bag before we wrap this thing up also if you guys have any last minute calls the phones are still on 305-224-1968 the meeting id is on your screen so chase mclaughlin we talked about him his tampa bay buccaneers debut bucks wanted more range at kicker and uh when one is good (laughs) <laughs> from 57 yards the way that it was. That was probably, I mean, this was a, a game full of clutch plays, but realistically, that was probably one of the most top three clutch plays of the game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a, a gutsy call by Todd Bowles. And that was, I believe, the second gutsy call on that drive because Todd Bowles also went forward on fourth down with that sneak. I'll credit Todd Bowles there. He could have very easily had said, that is too long of a half yard and we're just going to punt. And, but Bucks he didn't, their own territory he, he re- too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was a, a critical call. So credit to Todd Bowles for that decision. The field goal decision, it was it was risky. And I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but, hey, it paid off. And you got to take some risk, right? No risk and no biscuit, right? Huh? Huh? Is, uh, is Todd Bowles, you know, getting a little bit of wearing off? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they brought in Chase McLaughlin because Ryan Suckup didn't have the leg. If that's Ryan Suckup, the Bucks probably lose the game because the Vikings would have had the ball at the 50-yard line or whatever, and they could have gotten a field goal to win. Like, it's probably the other way around the score, right? So, um, Ryan Suckup was great for the Bucks. And he he was a big reason why they won the Super Bowl, but it was time to move on, and that's why the Buccaneers got a guy like Chase McLaughlin, just because his leg, and he proved it there today. How's it going, caller? You're on the Cannon Fire podcast. What's your name? Just because his leg. Hello, my name is Fabian. How you doing, Fabian? How are you? No, just wanted to call, just talking about like Baker Mayfield. No, you look. Like how good today? Yeah, no, no. He like and, I said, he, he did a he did a really good job, but especially uh, un, under pressure down the stretch. Yeah, like the game didn't start out very well. You know, I, like I wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on Baker. You know, like the receivers just weren't you know finding space. But as the game went on, you know, the offense just got a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and I think also I know. I think what we saw from this Canales offense, too, is a little more of a, a short passing game, right? Like, that's something that the Bucks have lacked for the last couple of years because they love to air it out, and Tom Brady was able to find the open guy. But, you know, the short passing game was carrying the Bucks for drives. Like, it, it is pretty much entirely what this offense was today. We said the, the longest run they had was six yards by Rashad White, and I think the longest pass through the air, if I'm not mistaken, was that 28-yard touchdown to Mike Evans. You know, aside from that, it was all yep. nitty-gritty, short yardage plays. So it, it ultimately did enough to win the game. But, you know, an area that we have not seen the Bucks' offense do well in these last couple of years. Right. And also just had a question. So in the game, like around five minutes in, like – Tampa goes for it on fourth and one on their own 30. They get it, right? And then they have another situation where it's fourth and three, slightly past midfield. And, you know, Tampa in another situation hits a field goal, and that field ends up being the deciding factor. But in that situation, would you have gone for it or would you have kicked it? Yeah, that – that's the uh, I, I was actually I was just talking about that. That's a tough decision. And I personally personally I didn't agree with the decision to kick it. I I probably would have gone for it, tried to get a little bit closer. Um, but I mean that that shows the amount of faith that they have in Chase McLaughlin uh, as their kicker. So um and kudos to him because that's what he's being paid for, and that is a big, big, big time kick, which like you know, Ryan Suckup has nailed some big kicks, but like that was that was a big kick. That, like, that is a critical, critical kick. That was the game. You know, we're talking about overtime right now. If they don't hit that three points, and not like only o- overtime or, or the Bucks is or the Bucks losing. Like right. I said, the Vikings would have got the ball right at midfield, basically. They, yeah, they would have needed a field goal to win it. Good field position and a couple of burners on offense. Uh, you know, not only did it show the faith that Todd Bowles has in his new kicker Chase McLaughlin, but I think it showed the faith that he has in this defense. Like. Obviously, if anyone on this coaching staff is going to have faith in the defense, it's going to be the man that built it, Todd Bowles. But 
the Bucks felt good about what they brought on the field defensively today. I, I think I think they went for it almost expecting a turnover by the defense on the next drive. Like I, I think, you know, what they were able to do in the first half with all three of those turnovers coming when they did. I felt better about the defense in that situation than I probably ever would have at any other point, just because of how well they were able to take the ball away. But I agree, man. There was a lot of things to be excited about on both sides of the ball. And hopefully Baker can, you know, just continue to play clean football. He doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't have to throw four touchdowns every single week, but if the bucks can play clean and not turn the ball over and just continue to build this offense from what we saw today, then it seems like the sky's the limit. Right. And uh, speaking of the defense, um, there's another question about that. What was the difference that Todd Bowles made early on the defense versus in the second half? Because earlier on, when uh, Minnesota's offense was getting go- was going, like they were getting chunk yards after chunk yards after chunk yards. It looked like Tampa couldn't stop them. Then somehow in the second half, uh, Tampa adjusted. What, what, do you know what adjustments Tampa made? You know, I, I think, honestly, one of the <laughs> – uh, as far as adjustments, I did see there was a little bit less blitzing uh, in, in the second half and, again, putting more faith in his secondary. And I think the secondary rewarded him with that because I just think the players in the secondary just played better in the second half. I mean, you want to talk about a critical play that we haven't mentioned at all here. Kirk Cousins on third and seven looks for Jordan Addison and Carlton Davis yeah. comes out of nowhere to break up the pass. I mean, that is just a fantastic play, and that was the last time the Vikings had the football. So it was a, a fantastic play by Carlton Davis. Like I said, I think the adjustments were made that they didn't want to blitz as much. Kirk Cousins is a pretty good quarterback against the blitz. It had gotten home early, but then they started to get burned by it a little bit, gave up some chunks, and, and I think they wanted to try and rush four, see if they could get pressure with four. And their secondary, I mean, kudos to the secondary. They just simply played better than they did in the first half. True, yeah. And before I leave, I just have uh, one more question. Yeah, yeah. Um, given, given today's results, what do you think would be considered a successful season for Tampa? Just making the playoffs or having a slightly deeper playoff run? I, I, think, always, I always love week one. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I yeah, week one questions are fun. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, man. Like I said this in our season predictions. I think a successful season for Tampa – based off of the expectations that have been set upon them, I think anything over seven wins is successful. And I know a lot of people hear that and they might snicker and they might be like, oh, this guy's insane. But let's be realistic. Like, let's be as realistic as we possibly can. You know, national media has the Bucs as a top five worst team in the NFL. And I certainly don't think they're going to be that. But I don't know if today is going to be enough to build on over the next 10, 11, 12 weeks to be a team, you know, looking at a long playoff run. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I think if the Bucks are a playoff team this year, it's going to be kind of convoluted like it was in 2022, where it's just kind of a bad division and they're fighting to make the best of it. But what do you think, Evan? You think the Bucks are going to go 17 and 0 after today? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I did. I just, uh, I love week one because, you know, and I, we appreciate the question, but like, you know, last week we got people saying, Oh, you know, they're going to be tanking for Caleb Williams. And now it's, Hey, how deep of a playoff run do you think they go on? <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it, it, it's great. Um, I, I think a successful season would be probably anything over seven wins. I, I just think, like, 
being competitive in in every game you got, right? Not giving any opponent, don't lose a game by 25 points, you know, like being competitive, being a hard team to beat, like don't be an easy team to beat and don't lay down. So I think that would be a pretty successful season. Look, I don't think they're as talented as they were in previous years. They have a lot of inexperience and that inexperience is going to show at points. Like it just, it is. Um, And they will get burned by it at times, but it's a good start today. So, uh, and especially a game where not a lot of people um, expected them to win. I think a lot of people thought it'd be close, including, you know, Rhett and myself, but uh, I don't think many people picked them to win. So uh, with this type of game, it definitely is a confidence booster. And, you know, you go 2-0, who, who knows what happens then, you know? But, uh, yeah, you, you got to focus on Chicago next week for sure. Fabian, thank you for your call. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. All right, let's get to our next caller from the 727. Been hanging out in the waiting room for a while. Caller, you're on the Cane of Fire podcast. What's your name? Thanks for having me. My name's Craig. Craig? How's it going? Yeah, how's it going? going What's up, guys? man? What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Play um, the game to me. I, I, I just I don't want some clarification. I want to get some uh if you guys can enlighten me on who is that rookie that made the uh, interception on the goal line. To me, that was the, the, the play of the game. Yeah. Along with uh, the Chris Godwin catch, that mm-hmm. was determination. He wanted, he wanted that ball. And he knew if they scored right then, the importance of him taking that ball away from him. Who is that guy? Yeah, uh, that was well. The guy that made the interception was Christian Isian, uh, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers. Okay. Who actually, he he won the, the nickel job. So Todd Bowles is really impressed with him in the preseason, and he makes Todd Bowles look pretty good there. So a, a great play, and just like you said, I mean, it's a critical point. It, it literally saved at least three points. Uh, it saved at least three points. And, and when you're looking at that and in a three point win, like that's that's pretty critical. So right. and you mentioned, and you right. mentioned that was the play of the game. Yeah, yeah, and no, and then you mentioned Chris Godwin, obviously to to end it, basically a, a fantastic catch. So yeah, you're right on the money there with with two very very critical plays. Yeah, I thought Christian Isian. I feel like this week, Christian Isian making that play, he's a guy that earned his spot on the team. And on the other side of the football, let's not forget Trey oh. Palmer, another guy. You know, six-round draft pick, but also earned his spot on the team. Had a couple of catches for nine yards today. But what's up, Craig? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That who, whose position, whose spot was that? Uh, uh, okay, that he, so that he yeah, took in, in, uh, in, in, in camp, in camp this year. Yeah, they actually, I mean, they didn't really have an answer for for nickel corner. He he won the competition basically between okay. him. Him, Zion McCollum, D. Delaney, a couple other guys in, in that mix, but uh, Christian Isian and Preston training camp, and literally after the first preseason game, Todd Bowles said that he was the front runner for the nickel job, and again, he makes a critical play there. Also, had a critical tackle on a third and short to uh, force the Vikings yeah, to punt as well. Yeah, so not the only play he made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thank you guys for having me, man. Um, go Bucks. I right, appreciate the call, Craig. Good talking to you, Craig. Go Bucks, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So as we wrap up, I think that'll be our last call of the show. Successful show. Successful first show, of course. Obviously, easier covering a win, obviously, you know. I, I think uh, I think if, if they would have lost it, you get a little bit more angry callers. But, <laughs> um, you know, I do think, uh, you know, obviously 
uh, much better to to cover a win. So you know, I um, think today's show was pretty pretty uh, pretty comparable to the Buccaneers' win in Minnesota. Kind of a rough start, you know. I I, I wasn't feeling great after the start that we had. I gave out the wrong meeting ID number. I'm uh, saying the I'm saying the wrong amount of turnovers. Like I, I wasn't feeling awesome uh, about where we were at you know the end of the second quarter. But we really we really came on strong here in the second half. The callers really helped us out. Always appreciate hearing from those people. But uh, you know, I thought we I thought we thought we brought it home with a good solid 20 to 17 effort. Did you, um, did you just like turn into to coach Matthew there? That's kind of my speak? thing. I thought, but oh, like, oh, well, you know, I, I wasn't, where, where is David Cardona when you need it? Yeah, I wasn't, intention- <laughs> I wasn't intentionally stealing your gimmick there. Um, but as we wrap up, do you have a take bag, you know, three things or more, more or less that you took away from this game? Um, after this week, one performance, I got to tell you um, one of mine, no matter yeah, what is uh chase McLaughlin is a stud. <laughs> um, a couple of things. Uh, I thought the bucks linebackers were really good today. I, I, my opinion on Devin white has been pretty clear. Um, and, and what they, I think they should do with Devin white. That being said, I thought he was fantastic today. Um, the, the open field tackling, I just thought everything was good. Uh, all short tackling. Um, uh, Trey Palmer looked good. Tevin, uh, Devin Tompkins had, had a couple of nice plays. Um, and I, I honestly, I thought the special teams like punt coverage was really good too. Not a lot of people talking about that, but the main thing I wanted to point out before we wrap up, and this is the last thing is just, man, on that third and three, you could just feel like, Mayfield, like as soon as he took off, I was like, he's getting the first down. I, I was like, he he is doing everything in his power. You could tell he was just the way he was running. You're like, he is going to push forward and, as hard as he can. And that's that aggressive nature from Baker that we've seen before, but I was waiting on it to show up. Like it, it took Baker a couple quarters to really settle in, right? Like the first half, mm-hmm. he kind of had some happy feet, wasn't too comfy in the pocket. The pressure, constant pressure from Minnesota certainly yeah. didn't help. But even when he would, you know, cut out and scramble, because he ran the ball eight times today. When he would cut out and scramble, it didn't feel like he was being as ambitious as he could, but he was really just saving it for the one that mattered the most. And, and you know, that's the way to do it. it I got to tell you, we obviously haven't seen that from a Buccaneer starting quarterback in a number of years, but it's a pretty liberating feeling to, to see your guy, <laughs> you know, beat the edge well, and lower the see, shoulder. <laughs> I think it was only like a game of like, four yards where they did the read option. I was like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That bit was insane. Seeing, uh, seeing the, the, I, I don't, it wasn't an RPO. It was just a read option. Like, you no, said. it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't an RPO at all. Just straight read option. I was like, is that allowed? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. is that, like, is that a thing? Yeah. It's not. Uh, really yeah. It, it is. It is like, like I said, miss Brady, miss watching Bravely football. It's amazing. You know, what? Like the first, first time since like 1998 or something that, uh, Brady, Breeze, and Manning all won't be playing a week one or something yeah. like that. Um, obviously, miss watching them play football, but man, it, yeah, it is refreshing uh, to see a quarterback that can like make plays and be like a contributor with his legs, not just his arm. So, need the arm to be a little bit better in some spots, but uh, you know, and, and he's not going to be Lamar Jackson back there, but he, he did again, just like the entire offense, Mayfield on his legs. He did just enough to win the football game, and that's all that matters. He needed an extra yard. He went and did everything he could to get that extra yard. Yeah, and talking about some guys on the other side of the football, uh, Kalijah Kansi, just a quick injury update on yeah. that. He re-aggravated that injury that he had had, so left the game. Let me let me voice an okay. opinion. All right, go ahead. I, I still I don't think he should have played. 
I, I think it was a mistake for him to play. This is a guy who got injured very early in training camp and then missed the entire preseason, missed it, wasn't even practicing in training camp. Like, it's not like, oh, he's not playing the preseason games. No, he wasn't practicing in training camp either. Has two practices, doesn't practice on Wednesday, practices Thursday and Friday, and then is put into game action right away. I didn't agree with that decision. Made a play. Uh, I'm, made a I'm play fine with him. The game. He, he made a play. He looked good. He did make a play. But I just, I'm fine with him practicing. I just don't think he should have been thrown into game action after being off for basically a month. I just, I just don't think that was the right call. I, I understand that was a big update before the game. Is is, is there an, is an update though? The top bowls answer an update at all? Or? No, no update on the severity for Kalijah Kansi, and then also Levante David had kind of a scare, some friendly fire with Vita Vea. He got evaluated oh for a concussion, but he was good. <laughs> Man, the way that they cut away to commercial, the biggest dude on the team too. I was like, I was like, holy shit! Like he, he's he's dead. Like they didn't, you know, Vita didn't just, show it. Vita Vea just peeled his leg backwards. I know my mind immediately went to worst case scenario because they're like, oh, there's a stoppage of play. We got an injured player. They didn't even say who it was until the very last mm-hmm. minute. And then when they do, they don't show the replay. Yeah, and then they just fade to black. Like that's the worst. That's the worst. The only thing it didn't have was the Fox on NFL injury music. You know, the sad one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully hopefully this didn't backfire on the Buccaneers. Hopefully Canty is okay and able to get out there. You know, but, like, honestly, if he's not feeling 100%, dude, like, I didn't think you should play this week. Sit him next week then. Like, why, why do you have to play this kid? Like, you know, you sign Greg Gaines. You have Logan Hall. Logan Hall actually made a play today. Yeah, he did. Um, like one of the first of his career. <laughs> um, but you know, like you have some depth there along the defensive line. Like you don't need this kid to play, especially when it could risk longer term injury. So I just just be smart with it. Yeah, there it is. That'll put a bow on the first post game reaction show of the 2023 NFL season. From all of us here at the Can of Fire podcast, thank you guys so much for watching live on YouTube. Thanks to everybody who called in. Um, Trey from New York, our buddy Fabian, our buddy Craig there at the end. Craig, yeah. Always appreciate hearing it from you guys. And don't forget next week, same time, same channel. Yep, same Bucks time, same Bucks channel. Uh, we'll be live right here on the Can of Fire podcast, taking your calls at 305-224-1968. The meeting ID will be different, though. Follow the show on social media, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host, Evan, on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Yeah, obviously the whole Bugs Nation staff is gonna, you know, put us putting out stuff as we speak. I am not scheduled to do anything immediately after the game, uh, but we'll have uh, just you know, game reactions tomorrow, which is basically sort of a, a compilation of some like what social media is thinking about during the game, like fans sort of per se, like what what are their thoughts on the game? So check that out. And then every week, like I said, I'll be doing the Davy Jones locker, which is sitting down with a site member of the opposing team site that week and asking them some questions. We're going to be talking about. So this upcoming week, it'll be the Chicago bears, SB nation site. So be on to look out for that. And then towards the end of the week, every week I will have the Buccaneers X factor to watch, which this week it was Carl, and Davis and 
made a pretty critical play there on Jordan Addison, like I said earlier. So, and did a, a decent job, a halfway decent job on containing Justin Jefferson. Uh, a lot of the time uh, that Jefferson did get his big plays, Carlton Davis wasn't uh, really involved. Yeah. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But once again, that's going to do it for this week's post-game episode. We will talk to you guys later this week uh, with some more Tampa Bay Buccaneer news and updates. 1-0 to kickstart the 2023 campaign and a lot to build on, but a Buccaneer victory nonetheless. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always... Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.